Welcome to the All Ears podcast. I'm Josh Mason, and today I'll be talking to the wonderful singer-songwriter Ellie Ingram. Throughout the course of the conversation, we talk about her childhood and early influences. We talk about her relationship with her music and the music industry, and then we take a deep dive into her new album, Bad Behaviour. Hope you enjoy. You're listening to All Ears with Somewhere Soul. Countdown's quite intense. <laughs> oh shit, yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, right, so I am here with Ellie Ingram. Ellie, thanks so much for coming onto the podcast. Thank you for having me, Josh. I'm very excited to be here. Me too. So, um, <laughs> how's your bank holiday weekend been? My bank holiday weekend was very nice. What did I do over the bank holiday weekend? It just happened and I've already forgot it. Yesterday I was at the pub. That might be why I can't really remember much else. <laughs> But no, it was nice, pretty chilled, lots of work going on at the moment. So I just kind of like trying to keep space for that. So, but yeah, it was nice. How was yours? Nice. It was quite heavy. Yeah. Quite exhausting. Yeah, I was at Stag Do in Margate. So nice. Which was fun. How many days were you away for? Friday night, Saturday night. Yeah. Came back on the Sunday. So very much needed that bank holiday Monday. (laughs) To recover. Yeah. Yeah. Was it good stag? It was. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. It was sort of, it's, it's sort of what you expect it to be. Just, yeah, just yes. lots of drinking and Love I think, it. yeah, I think the stag had a good time. Nice. Yeah. Very nice. But yeah, you've just released your new album, which is incredibly exciting. Yes. Bad Behaviour. Yes. But before we get onto that, I just wanted to venture back and yes. chat with you a little bit about the early days mm. of your your life, your your sort of music journey. What were some of your earliest memories of of music, I guess. Um, well, I was I was raised in quite a musical-ish household. We always had a piano in the lounge. My dad is a singer, plays guitar and writes songs. And my mum just likes to make a lot of noise. Um, she <laughs> loves to get the recorder out at Christmas, which we all try and encourage her not to, but it always gets brought out. So it's a very noisy musical house. And lots of good music was always being played. So I think it was sort of naturally a part of me. But it wasn't anything I really, like, took seriously. I I didn't really use the piano. My sister was playing on the piano. I was just sort of busy doing nothing. But then after I finished secondary school, I didn't get the grades to do fashion, which is what I wanted to do. My mum was like, oh, fuck, what are you going to do? Like, I struggled at school and I wasn't really, like, gravitating towards anything. And she was like, well, you know, you, you like to sing. Why don't you why don't you look at doing music? And I was like, oh, I don't know. Okay. So I ended up doing a B-Tech course, which is just like a, a one-year, I think it was one year, one-year course in music and that's when I really started to fall in love with it because I started to write music and I just sort of like opened up this whole new world for me because I'm dyslexic and I find words and being articulate really difficult so the fact that I then discovered I could write songs I was like fuck this is really cool like I'm feeling really connected to this so then I actually ended up going to study like the extended BTEC for another two years and it, it just all kind of snowballed from then. I just really started to discover new music and I was playing the piano more and I was writing songs and it just, it all just clicked really. And then I met Felix and Aston, who are my two producers who I still work with. 
and they were both from Brighton as well. And Fee had this like really cool studio in the back of his dad's garden. And my manager at the time introduced me to the boys and we just started making music together. I mean, I thought they were like the coolest guys I'd ever met. They were just like in the back of the studio, like drinking and smoking weed and playing loads of really good music. And I was just like, these guys are so cool. Like I just <laughs> want to be with them all the time. And yeah, they just sort of like nurtured me and we made loads of songs together. And then it just kind of all all went from there. We just put covers on YouTube and then record labels were ringing and it just kind of haven't really looked back since then. Wow. And in that first BTEC, when you said you first started writing, yeah, can you remember what sort of stuff you were writing about? Um, I remember writing this song called, um, it was called Pop the Bullet. <clears throat> but it was all very quite like dark and emotional. I think I was mm. quite like a troubled teen. So I was writing quite like dark and moody songs. And I think because where I find it really difficult to communicate like with dyslexia, I was I was using these songs now to start writing about all of these feelings and these emotions. So quite a lot of it, I think, that was coming out was quite emotional. I mean, it still is now, you know, so I, it's obviously just my way of communicating. But I was also formed a little girl group when I was doing the BTEC, which was really fun, and we were just doing covers. But that's when I first started gigging. Like, we went out around Brighton and did some gigs together as a little girl group. So, yeah, that was really, like, the start of it, for sure. We were called The Pieces. The Pieces? <laughs> the Pieces, because we were all, like, different little pieces. Mm, yeah, I can like that. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, um, I've heard a lot, of, like, usually when you hear about people's early band names, yeah. they're much worse than that. Oh, so, okay, uh... <laughs> that's good. That's good. Yeah, I liked it as well. I liked it. And did, like, so it sounded like just writing, like, verses, choruses, hooks, yeah. all that stuff came quite naturally to you, because I did... um. I did a creative writing degree at uni nice. and I was sort of always semi into music and stuff, but I could always write poems. Yeah. But I could just could never, I mean, I could, could just not understand how people could write songs. Really? It fascinated me how like two things that at the time I thought like, Oh yeah, like should be able to cover both of these. But like, yeah. I find the art of like writing a song and like verses and choruses mind blowing. Really? <laughs> so that's interesting because it come naturally I, to you, yeah. Yeah, but and also I think if you write poems, like that's so that's basically a song. All you need to do, Josh, is just find a little melody and you're there. No, I don't. No, <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't do it. It was too much of a huge leap. Oh yeah. yeah. Do you have a um, preference between the two? Because I've spoken to artists before who are like, oh yeah, the ver I could write a chorus all day, or I can write verses all day, but the other they find difficult. Yes, definitely. But also, I feel like. Sometimes it could just be one or the other. It's like sometimes you just get a chorus and then it's it's the easiest. Basically, whatever is the easiest at the time, then the chorus or the verse is just going to be difficult. It's very rare for me that it all just becomes really easily. I mean, you get those very rare moments where it just all like oozes out of you. But quite often, if I have a chorus, I'm like, this is amazing, then... I find it really difficult to then try and get a verse to match the chorus and the same with verses. I do think verses are a little bit easier because you can be a bit more free in a verse, you know. You can just sort of tell a story and then the chorus has to be a bit more like of a thought-out moment and maybe you want it to be a bit catchy and all these sort of things. Where a verse, you can just kind of let it all off your chest. So verses are probably a little bit easier. But then sometimes they're harder because they're longer. So, mm, you know, it swings in roundabouts. And what, um, 
you mentioned like good music being played in the household and like good music being played in the studio. Do you yeah. remember what sort of like any artists or tracks spring to mind that sort of were early influencers? Yeah, I mean, I can't remember too much about, I'd, I'd have to speak to my mum about what she was playing. I can't really remember too much. But when I was started working with Felix and Aston, they introduced me to like, soul music like my mum wasn't listening to soul or my dad it was more kind of like I want to say like The Cure and maybe like mm. Bob Marley and things like that like not not soul and Felix, I remember like when I first started working with Felix Hassan they were like so what do you think of Jill Scott and I was like Jill Scott who's Jill Scott and they were like what you don't know who Jill Scott is like I have this like really soulful voice and you don't even know who these singers are so that was like my mind was blown like they introduced me to Jill Angie Erica like D'Angelo all mm. these people that are now like literally the bones of me and what inspires me but prior to that like you know, I think the only music that maybe my mum introduced me to is obviously my number one inspiration was Amy Winehouse. But other than that, like, the, my real inspirations didn't really come until I, till I met Felix and Aston. Mm, interesting. Yeah. yeah, I think when I was at school, I used to love, like, McFly. Like, I, that, <laughs> you know, I was yeah. listening to, like, pop music, like McFly. I loved Taylor Swift, like... Very different to the music that I find inspiring. So yes, mm. it's, it's quite strange. Yeah, that isn't that is yeah, interesting. Is. I I think similar with I would say myself is like I can see my my life in such obvious chunks of like what yeah. I was listening to, yeah. and it sort of changes very drastically suddenly, and then you're like obsessed with this whole new thing, and then yeah. I think it's by the time you're like late twenties, early thirties, you've sort of found the thing because you've sort of Mm. you sort of stick in that that sort of field for the Definitely. long term yeah exactly yeah, yeah totally yeah. totally and at what age were you I mean you might you probably won't know this off the top of your head but were there any like clear signals either from yourself or for people around you that you had an incredible singing voice like at what point was that like you should be singing because you've got such a good voice it's like oh, people you. being like <laughs> don't know like about you but you need to be singing like yeah no I mean I it was I mean when I when I was younger I my my dad used to make well he didn't make that's a lie he definitely didn't make me I probably made him put me on like a little bar stool in the front garden and I would just like belt out Aretha Franklin and want all the neighbors to watch <laughs> so it was always like encouraged around me and I did like some singing competitions when I was a bit younger I think my parents always knew that I had a talent for sure but mm. I don't I don't, I think also like when my mum saw me with the girl group, the pieces, I feel like I remember that being quite a moment where my mum and dad were like, yeah, she's actually, she's actually pretty good, isn't she? Like, she's pretty <laughs> good at this. So yeah, I think there were a few moments, but I just, I don't ever remember, but that also is, it's because I have a terrible memory, but I don't really remember like anyone being like, come on, Els, you've got to do this because like you're really good at it. But maybe they did, or maybe it was just more of like, let's let her discover it on her own sort of mm. thing. Not really sure. But yeah, and people around me definitely knew that like, that I had a talent for sure. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And sounds like you were, by the sounds of it, always very much a natural on stage. Yeah, yeah I think so. I think it's always been, it's been quite easy for me, you know, like 
yeah, not to, I just get up and get on with it. And then that was it. I mean, I did this singing competition. I can't remember how old I was, like, I don't know, early teens in Brighton. And I got up, sung the song. I think I sung a Nora Jones song. My mum was there and we finished. And I was like, right, I'm going to go now, mum. Like, I've got a house party to go to. And she was like, no, you can't just leave. Like, we need to wait to see, like, if you win or if anything happens. I was like, no, no, I'm going now. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. And I won. And my mum had to, like, get the, the, whatever it was, the prize for me. And she was just like, yeah, you just got up, you sung, you smashed it, you won, but you didn't even stay around to like get your trophy. Just like so funny. I just, I just. That's quite a beautiful thing in a way. Yeah. It's like from an early age, it's like, it's just about the art, mum. Like, yeah, yeah, let me express okay. myself. Exactly. I'm not worried about the trophy. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Nice. I love that. Yeah. So your new album, Bad Behavior, has yeah. just come out. Crazy. Very, very exciting. Yeah, I mean, talk to me about it. Talk to me about the talk the, the, me, the, the process. Me. It's been it's, it's been it's long. been in the works for a while, right? <laughs> yes, it's been in the works for about four years, which is a really long time. I mean, I do think the pandemic slowed it down a little bit, but I mean, to be honest, it probably still would have taken me about four years. I'm just blaming it on COVID, but it probably wouldn't have really been any faster. But yeah, it's been a really long process. I mean, after the first record, I like took a little bit of time out. Everything got all a bit crazy, like with the label and my manager at the time. It was all just a bit heavy. So I just sort of slowed down for a little bit and then started working with a new manager and just slowly started to like reignite my, my passion. And it, but it just, it just took a really long time. And I think I really did generally feel. Are like points that maybe I just couldn't see the ends like and I think that's why I'm now finding it being out really like overwhelming because I just I just never knew if I was really going to get here and now I'm here and it's like it's just it's mad it's really mad if I think about it too much I'll probably start crying Josh it's an emotional time <laughs> but yeah it's been a really long process and I was at the start, I was sort of working with loads of different writers. I was just going around doing the normal thing. Like I never really did that before because I just, I was straight out of my two EPs and then with Felix and Aston and then we made the album. So I was just always with Felix and Aston, which was my like comfort blanket. But then I was sort of encouraged to spread my wings a little bit and try new things, which at first I was a bit reluctant to. I was like, you know, I don't. I get quite shy and a bit nervous and I was like, oh, I'm going to be working with all these new people. It's a really vulnerable place to put yourself in. But I'm really glad that I did because now I've definitely like grown so, so much and like I'm not nervous of that situation anymore. So I went around writing these songs with various people. But I always knew in the back of my mind that I would like love Felix and Aston to be a part of this record because they're such a big part of me. So. Thankfully, Aston, Felix sadly couldn't make it work. He's a busy, busy guy and was doing loads of other things at the time and, and probably still is. But Aston like heard some of the songs and really loved them. And he was like, cool, I want to come on board and like exec produce this album for you, which was so amazing because I think that, you know, there's such a big part of me. And I think, uh, you know, it would have, it would have been really difficult if, if they weren't a part of it. And I, so, you know, I had all these songs, took them to Aston, and then we spent months just building the songs up because some of them were like literally just me and a piano. 
some were kind of more produced but weren't quite right so we had to bring everything back we just kind of went through this whole other process which I hadn't been through previously so that was quite an interesting time and I think it was really interesting for Aston because he's not really like exec well I could be wrong I don't think he's exec produce a whole project or not like that anyway where you've got all these songs and you're being sent all these parts and you have to like go through everything it's it's a very lengthy process and quite a long way to do things because it's like you just have to go through so much stuff you know like and finishing is always the hardest part and like getting things done is the hardest part so that was quite a lengthy process but we had fun and it was a it was a really nice time for Aston and I and then and then that was that was kind of it and now the album's done and it's out and I yeah I just can't believe that 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 we got here that we're here (laughs) When when did you know it was done? Like and how like how and how do you know when a project is? Yeah, is I done? mean it's it's very difficult. It's very difficult <laughs> to just be like it's done. Hold your hands up. It's done. But I knew I had the songs. I didn't need any more songs. Well, when I went to Aston, we had we how many? We had ten. Ten, I think I had ten songs. And then we, I don't even, I can't remember if we were planning on what the plan was, but I don't think we were supposed to be writing anymore. But then we ended up writing another song, which is called Loving You Is Losing Me, which I loved so much. And I, it's really nice that Aston and I have that moment on the record because everything else was kind of done. So that moment, that song is like, is ours, you know, on the album. Obviously it's all ours, but that's like the two of us did that together. So we wrote that. And then we ended up writing two interludes, which kind of just happened whilst we were finishing things off. And then with that being 13, it just felt like that was the perfect amount. It all made sense. The tracks all made sense. So that that was done. We were parked with that. And then with production, it's like you have to take a step back. And it's like once you know you have everything you planned on getting like you don't need to get any more like don't be greedy don't keep going like it's done you know you've got extensive lists and plans of what you needed to do once they're all ticked like don't start adding more to the list so we just yeah that was it we ticked everything off and then we just had to part ways with that I mean there were times where we were like it's done and then we ended up like turning up a snare or turning down a <laughs> piano or something. Or The very last thing we did, which was so stupid, is everything was done and delivered. And then we decided the, the, the space in between each song. So when a song finishes and another one starts, like it was too long. And it was something like standard length, which is like three seconds. And we were like, oh, no, that's not quite right. Let's change it to like 2.75 seconds. So then we had to like change that, resubmit it. Like, I think you're always just trying to hold on to something. But there was a time when my manager was just like, no more. Like, it's done. It's perfect. (laughs) Like, there's enough's enough. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Well, I mean, yeah, that must be, I can't imagine how it feels to have those songs out that have been in the works for for four years. Yeah. At what point, because you said before that you were doing EPs and stuff, at what point do you arrive at, okay, it's, it's album time. What sort of like creative I, mode are you in? Yeah, I think, uh, I think I just, I'm just an albums person, you know, like I just love albums. And even once I finished my, my first album, people were like, what's we going to do next? Like maybe we should do an EP. And I'm like, no, I'm not doing an EP. Like I, 
I I did the EPs and that's cool. I feel like an EP is like for me anyway is is a space for you to just like express and show what you want to then go on to do and then an album is like a full body of work it's a like it's a piece of art you know not that an EP isn't but it's for me an album is a story you know from start to finish it's a whole concept it's a whole story so albums just make sense to me and I will not be doing an EP ever again <laughs> oh my god I really hope I don't ever do an EP again because this will this will haunt me but no I just <laughs> I just love albums I love listening to albums and I love writing albums so yeah same I just think yeah, yeah I think you learn often especially with a an album with like lyrics as well and like themes and stories you like get so so much from it definitely and interludes yeah. and things like that. I know, oh. like, often people, like, just don't bother with them anymore, but... Oh, love an interlude. Yeah, I, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm a fan. I feel like they're just always the best part. Well, like, because it's just, like, it's just, you can just tell it's that moment where, like, the artist is just having a bit of fun and just being really free and you don't really think about it too much and they're always a bit kind of experimental a little bit more and, yeah, they're just always fun. I just love an interlude. <laughs> Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I wanted to talk about, to touch on first, was um, the opening track um, mm-hmm. of the album, No Plan yes. B. No Plan B. Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> Which <laughs> I absolutely loved. I wanted to ask, it seems, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems as that's very much a sort of a celebration of you just being like, this is me, like I'm doing music, like nothing exactly. else, like regardless. Yeah. Is that a place in your sort of mind, in your life that you gradually got to or has that always been the case I think honestly it was it was always the case I always felt kind of like quietly confident I was like I've got this like I'm good at what I do I love what I do you know I had confidence for sure and when I wrote this song that confidence started to fade away and that's something that I'd never felt before you know so it was in COVID and I had to go back to getting a part-time job and it was the first time I ever really started to to doubt myself to be honest and I felt like you know maybe this is slipping away and if it does slip away then what the fuck am I gonna do because there's nothing else that I love as much as I love making music so it was a difficult time for me when I was writing that song I found it I found it very, very sad and stressful and I literally had my first shift back at this part-time job in a coffee shop, which I still work at, and I got on the bus home and I just had a panic attack and I never had a panic attack before. But it all just started like to take over me and I just I just was I was really freaking out, you know, like the first lyric in the song is like, I'm starting to freak out, I'm in the car and I want to jump out the window. And that was literally like how I felt in that moment. But it just felt like it is also a song of celebration and a reminder to myself that like you don't have a plan B for a reason, Ellie. Like you are good at what you do, like you just have to keep going and you just have to believe in yourself. And I think so many people have to sometimes remind themselves of that. Like you just have to, you just have to stick at it. And sometimes you're just holding on for dear life. But if you hold on, then hopefully you can sort of pull yourself back up and do what you were planning on doing. And I think the reason I wanted this song at the start of the album was for that reason that it's just like, this is why I don't have a plan B, you know, and hit now go and enjoy the album. It's like, I've got no plan B. This is why. 
sit back and enjoy the show. Yeah, nice. Do you yeah. think that's also something that, do you think that's a problem with the industry? The narrative of like making it yeah. has always seemed like so like in everyone's faces. Yeah. And I feel like there's a lot of language in the music industry, like chasing your dream and all these yeah. sorts of words that make it seem like such this like far off, yeah, like rare thing rather than like a really creative, healthy thing yeah. that should be like a really creative, healthy thing to pursue Definitely. and not this just like distant, and it often feels like almost like a, a sort of a, a race mm. to get to this point as, as quickly as possible. Totally. Would you say as you've got like older each year, you think about that sort of stuff more? I and how think... do you sort of, how do you sort of block, like you said, you're a lot more confident now and you've sort yeah. of made this decision now. Is that something yeah. you have to remind yourself about sort of constantly or? I mean, I think I just have to... Like what you were saying about your, you know, we're all kind of programmed to feel like we're never doing enough and like mm. nothing's ever good enough sort of thing. But it's like we're all doing, most of us anyway, way more than we should probably be doing, you know. Like yeah. everyone is doing so much and grafting so hard and every year something new gets thrown into the mix that you have to now also juggle. And it's like really we need to be reminded that, we're all doing a really fucking great job and we're all like grafting so, so hard. And that is something that I just have to remind myself of. And like, even with this album, it's like, it kind of only just took me up until like the week of the, its release. They're like, this is a really big fucking moment in my life. And I need to recognize that and like not be moving on to the next thing really quickly and like cool what do I do next like what 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 do I need to be doing now like that's done let's move on it's like no these moments in our lives are, are really massive and we need to be proud of the the big things the small things whatever it is because like these are all wins in our lives and we just need to process that and and enjoy it you know like so yeah, I am tr constantly reminding myself for sure, but I've definitely got a lot better at it. And it's like I'm just, I'm just here, just trying to enjoy the moment, you know. Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, I mean, releasing an album is huge. It's a huge deal, especially one that you've, say, you've worked on for four years. Yeah, yeah. The idea that, and I know I've heard a lot of people say this sort of stuff, and even like stream platforms themselves have encouraged like oh yeah like uploading regularly is good for the algorithm and this sort of stuff and it's yeah. just the, the lack of appreciation for yeah. what what must go into yeah. creating and releasing an album oh, that you need to be like yeah. quickly come up, come up with the next one like yeah. what's next what's next what's next always what's next it's so nice like talking to people that actually get it that like these things are massive you know this is mm. massive like and I have to remember that like this is a really big deal and you all need to appreciate that and understand that as well, please. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> that, that moves me on to um, Grow Slow. Oh, yeah. Which I just absolutely loved. It felt like such a, uh, like, just like a big inhale during mm. the, like, release. Love that. And that Love just, like, that. really, really resonated with me. Oh, nice. Yeah, like, talk to me about that as I can't remember how it's... It's uh, like it's it's the interlude off interlude. of the back of growing pains. Yeah, and yeah, we finished we finished writing growing pains, and Aston like always does this thing where he'll just like be in the middle of like doing production, and he'll just 
do this shortcut and slow the song down and just for like a second and then he might go back. Like, I think it's just almost like a little twitch and it's like, oh, I wonder what it sounds like. And then we did that with Growing Pains and I was like, oh, that sounds so nice. It's like that big whoosh. And we were like, whoa, that sounds so nice. And then instantly you're just sort of inspired. And I think that just everything just kind of came out of us. It's like, also it's like when you're in this headspace of a like just work mode, you've got to get things done. As a creative, if you then your brain tick like goes bing because you hear this thing it's like oh yeah quick let's down tools and stop doing what we're supposed to be doing and now let's like it's like this light that you just like gravitate towards so it just really easily came out of us and Aston Aston is the is the one at the start that's doing like the little talking thing at the start Mm. and I was like oh we just had so much fun with it and like the lyrics just came out and just grow slow there ain't no rush like and yeah, it just, it did. It just felt like exactly what you said, like this big exhale. And it was like, even for us in the middle of creating, it was this big exhale of just like, like, just let's just take it slow, you know? Mm. And we just, yeah, we just had fun with it. Got really experimental and a bit silly with it. And yeah, I, I love it so much. I think it's such a nice moment in the album. Yeah, absolutely beautiful. Yeah, thank you. And in terms of the overall album concept i know the album title um, well, well as one of the track titles bad behavior yep. how is that sort of explored across the album in your writing well i i knew from the get-go that the concept of the album was bad behavior i kind of had this like was it a mind map with bad behavior in the middle and all of these things coming off of it so unlike the first album i didn't have a concept i just wrote songs and then we kind of tied it all together with this album, I knew from the get-go, like, the concept was bad behaviour. I can't remember if I knew I was going to call it bad behaviour or if I just wanted the concept to be about bad behaviour. But that I knew. Like, the, at the time I was writing the album, there were a lot of bad, horrible things happening in my life. And I really started to, like, analyse people's behaviour and my own. And I was like, this is a really cool concept, you know, for an album, like, people's behavior traits you know like there's a song on there called selfish growing pains like all these different avenues of bad behavior you know it's not all like negative and bad but it was a lot of things that I was writing about when me sort of looking into all of these kind of shitty things that were happening around me so it was it was really fun and maybe a little bit easier, like writing a song with a concept, because, you know, if I felt like something was missing from the story that I was trying to tell, I was just, it was it was easier to try and figure out what that was. So, yeah, that's kind of how how it all came about. I knew what I wanted to talk about. I knew what I, yeah, what, yeah. Can it be ever, like, not tempting, but, Sometimes when you're writing about like negative things, sometimes can the music follow? Whereas I noticed that like throughout there's still a lot of like the vibe is often positive, yeah. upbeat, or is that like an intentional thing you're doing where you're... Yeah, it's definitely intentional and it kind of now just happens by mistake, but it, it started with intent because, yeah, most of the songs like heavy, lyrically are really heavy. Mm but melodically are quite fun and cheerful. And I think that's kind of like 
low-key my way of just like dealing with emotions it's like oh, I'm really sad and I'm saying something really horrible but I'm just gonna put it in a bow and then maybe people won't really like want to ask me about it <laughs> you know <laughs> I can just yeah, hide yeah. behind it sounding really sweet so yeah that it's just what happens I think when I'm making music that things sound nice but what I'm saying is <laughs> quite sad <laughs> yeah yeah and what, and what is the most cathartic process of is it writing it initially or is it like actually releasing it no I think well actually that is a good question I was just so confidently about to say writing it but (laughs) now it's out I'm like maybe getting it out I think Mm. is it certainly feels like the sort of album that you will get a lot of feedback from in terms of like wow like yeah I felt this I can relate yeah. to this it feels like a, yeah. the, the sort of album where I was listening to lots of it and being like yeah like this is certainly an album that people can will be sort of nodding their heads oh, to in places that's and so nice. resonating with oh thank you that I think that is like for me when I don't it like one of the most powerful things of music you know as a writer I don't think about that when I'm writing I just write about how I'm feeling mm. and then you know that's it I don't I'm not one of those writers that think about how people will take it and how it might make them feel but when I put out heavy I again I just wrote that song when I was going through something and I was feeling really alone and sad and I put it out and then so many people resonated with it that then like made me feel less alone and Mm. it's like I never you know music is always like it helps the listener you know you don't really think how it might help the person that wrote the song so that was a really like interesting time for me because it was like oh wow like loads of people feel the same and now I feel like I'm not the only one feeling like this so that was that was a really beautiful moment Mm. yeah yeah that's that's what like blows my mind about I think like creating music is the most just like incredible selfless gift like soundtracking people's lives yeah in many ways it's like free therapy (laughs) yeah yeah and it seems at the same time it's getting like increasingly not, not not like dispensable, but yeah, just people's time for it. And mm-hmm. I know that like buying music isn't the future. Obviously, yeah. I'm yeah. not just sort of like stuck yeah. in the past. But yeah. I don't know. I feel like there has to be some better value trade off with mm. people like fans like getting access to every song in the world. Yeah, for like a tenner is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. When yeah. you say it like that, it's like yeah, it's crazy. This is crazy and like yeah you're happy to tip like I don't know however much money for like a meal you ate out that Shit, you probably didn't yeah. even enjoy that much oh my god and then Jesus that's a song right there Josh <laughs> that's a good song not for me it's a poem yeah yeah just so feels like there's a, there's a, a real like gap in yeah. the value trade-off yeah I feel that though in the whole of the creative industry you know I mean and maybe even in loads of industries it's just like I feel like everyone's just doing so much and just like getting paid so little like you know like Mm. no one's time seems to be like you know really valued as much as it used to be which is just shit yeah I think if you think about like the things that are most important to you Mm. or you hold like most sacred to you and you worked out how much sort of like monetary value went to them. It's probably like just upside down a lot. Yeah, yeah <laughs> like, definitely. Especially, yeah, uh, especially with the arts. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sorry, that wasn't really a question. It's no. just a sort of a rant. Yeah, no, I've, <laughs> yeah, it's good to have a rant. Back to the album. I think my favourite track is probably Trouble. 
Ooh. So if I could selfishly just sort of hear about that track. Yes. At the start, that was the piano. So I started writing this song. I can't remember when I started writing it, but I, I, I brought it to a session. I think I had quite often when I go to a session, I have like a little poem or I might have like a voice note. And I had a voice note of the chorus, which I remember actually came to me whilst I was swimming and I was like this mm. melody just popped to my head and I had to like run to the changing room to voice note it so I had the the melody and I took it to Jimmy Hogarth <clears throat> yes it was Jimmy Jimmy Hogarth who's an amazing producer and writer and we started writing it together but it wasn't quite what I had hoped for but we we started to piece it together and then I had this session with Troy Miller and Negin, who's a songwriter, and Troy is a writer, but also an amazing like composer and producer. And I took them what I'd started with Jimmy, and I said, "Look, I've got this that I started with Jimmy, and I'm really, I really love it, and I think it could be really amazing. Like, are you guys up for maybe like having a little play with it? I've never done that before, but I'm glad that I did because it it really worked out, and and we really brought it to life and. Negin, who's this great songwriter, really helped me sort of piece the puzzle together. It was a very emotional session. I was like feeling in, you know, in a really difficult place in my relationship. And, you know, I, I think I spent most of the session just crying, but it, but it all came out. And Negin was, and Troy were both really, really lovely. So funny. I actually totally forgot about all of that until I just started speaking to you about it. And now I can literally see myself crying on the wall when I was writing this song so that's nice um so yeah it was a, a difficult song to write but it was something I really needed to get off my chest and I think we really nailed it and I think a lot of people will relate to it in in different ways because it's just kind of like you know when you're in a situation you know that you you shouldn't be in anymore and it's it's difficult to walk away from those things and even recognize those things and but I just really love how kind of strong and sassy it sounds you know I think it's kind of got a lot of grit this song which is obviously what I needed you know again it's like I'm it's like I need the sound of the music to like hold me up because what I'm saying mm. is clearly like making me making me really emotional so like I need the music to just like lift me up and be like no nope, you're good I was like you can tell this story like we're here behind you so yeah, that's that's the story of trouble. That is beautiful and hey. such a lovely way to uh, that puts like I want to listen to the album again yeah. with that sort of like sentiment mm. in mind. Nice. Yeah, that is absolutely beautiful. Oh, thank you, Josh. What um, <laughs> what <laughs> advice? Because I think a lot of the people, a lot of the people listening to this will be artists, and a lot of artists in very much the sort of early stage of releasing music, based on your experiences. I guess you've been in the industry a, a while now, I guess, because you got into it so early, I guess. Yep. I just wanted to know what sort of advice you have for other independent and emerging artists. Mm. I think, what advice do I have? Um, for me, I think it was really crucial, but I was extremely lucky to meet Felix and Aston, you know, have someone 
that you can create with, you know. I mean, you so many people now are so good at doing so many things, you know, writing and producing. But for me, you know, all I could do was write. So having those guys and, like, having my little team was was really crucial for me. So, like, maybe it's maybe that's a good thing to have, you know, having a, a, a small team around you that you can create these things with and actually, like, make it happen because sometimes like for me anyway when I'm just on my own like I can find it difficult to like really get things done you know like get it out there maybe you need a little push maybe you need a bit of encouragement maybe you need someone who knows how the fuck Spotify works like just you know people around you that can sort of you know help you to actually get to where you're going I think that was really good for me and mainly you just you just gotta keep going you know you just gotta keep going you've got to put yourself out there you've got to sort of be confident in yourself because so many people are trying to do the same thing so it's it's difficult to to break through but if you just you just keep going keep banging down all the doors then I'm pretty sure like you'll get to where you want to get to Mm, yeah yeah Yeah. nice in terms of celebrating the album, was there any particular celebrations? Yeah, so it was funny because before it came out, like I think maybe like a month or so before, I, I had no plans to like do anything on the Friday that it came out. But I was like, kind of like, I know I should do something. But it's like, you know, when you plan your own birthday, it's like, oh, I want to do something. <laughs> yeah. And then maybe people won't come and oh, it's too much pressure. But then I was also like, but that's that classic thing of us just not like allowing ourselves to celebrate these amazing wins in our life. And I was like, no, you have to celebrate this moment. This is such a big moment. So I did. And I had a lovely party in London and all my friends were there and everyone that was involved was there. And, and it was really amazing. And I'm so glad that I did that. And just like, even now and for as long as I need to I'm just like I'm just processing it all I'm enjoying it all I also like really intentionally didn't listen to the album once we delivered it it was like because that was however many months before it came out I was like I'm not listening to the album because I would happily just listen to it every day all day but I was like no I'm not going to do it I'm going to wait till it comes out and enjoy it with everybody else and I'm so glad that I did because I've even like semi tiny weeny bit forgot like how things sounded and like you know what track came next so it's like oh I can really yeah. enjoy it so I'm just I've got it on repeat I'm drinking loads and I'm just having a really great time <laughs> love that yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah I got a tip from a mate who which I've started doing which is when there's an album I'm really excited about I'll I won't listen to it until I buy the record and put nice. it on nice love that yeah that's been such a game changer rather than that like Without, you wake up first thing in the morning, I'm in my dressing gown, my yeah. eyes are all crusty, I just hit play <laughs> and sort of still going through. It's yeah. probably not like the optimal way to yeah, uh, no. enjoy an amazing album. No, very true, very true. Yeah. And then looking yes. ahead, you've got festivals, you've yep. got a tour. Yes. What, um, what is your sort of relationship like with that music in, in the live form? Yeah. I guess what, what can people expect from a live yeah. show is probably a better question. Well, I mean, what can people expect? At the moment, I'm not sure because I haven't really started thinking about it. <laughs> but hopefully just an amazing, epic show. You know, I've got an all-female band. I really just mm. want, like, I just I just want people to see me and just be like, 
fuck, she's really, really good. You know, that's what I want people to to think. And I want them to, like, think the music sounds amazing and the band's amazing. So I'm just going to try my best to put on, you know, the best show ever. That's all I can do. And I'm just really excited and a little bit nervous to, like, get up on the stage and sing these songs because, you know, it's been a long time coming. These are, like, some of the rawest songs that I've written so far so you know it, it could be moments where I find it quite difficult I think the first few shows I might find some things a bit difficult having to like stand up and sing these songs but also a really beautiful and empowering moment as well but yeah I'm just really excited we've got the tour um in October which please people buy tickets to because they're my biggest shows yet and it'll be really embarrassing if like no one's there so if you could buy a ticket that'd be great <laughs> And some festivals, festivals I'm really excited for because I haven't done them in ages and I just love being outside playing festivals. So that's really good fun. So, yeah, lots of exciting things on the horizon. Beautiful. Absolutely yeah. beautiful. Thanks. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me. No, thank you for having me. Honestly. Yeah, it's such a lovely Amazing. conversation. Thanks. And, yeah, very exciting for you to be the first guest on the new series of yes. the podcast. Yes. I feel like you don't need to do the whole like go and follow me on because I think people <laughs> I'll be very surprised if anyone listening to this doesn't already know who you are. But no, guys, you in... need to follow me on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, Ellie Ingram. In Ellie Ingram at Instagram.com. That's not what it is. It's just at sign Ellie Ingram. I think it's the same for Twitter, TikTok. I got TikTok now because everyone needs to have TikTok. I think that's also <laughs> Ellie Ingram. YouTube, basically, just type in Ellie Ingram and you should be able to find me <laughs> on some social platform. Awesome. Yes. Thank you so much for having me, Josh. It's been really lovely. Uh, well, absolute pleasure. And yeah, everyone, go and stream the new album. Go and buy it. Order, yes, a, order, order a record. Oh, please. Yeah, buy a ticket to the tour. And yeah, I hope you enjoy it as much as, much as I am. Yeah, thank you, guys. Cool. Cool.